Hey, welcome to the Faith NFM podcast. We appreciate your time today, and we encourage you to head on over to faithnfm.com where you can find the notes for this presentation, as well as links to all that's happening around Faith Assembly. Our hope is that this message helps move you forward in your faith journey. Well, good morning. Glad that you're with us today. Uh, we've been in a series called Good News, Sharing Jesus in a Skeptical World. How many of us know in this place we need a little bit of good news, right? We need uh, Jesus in our world now more than ever. And so these past few weeks and this month, we've been talking about how we can actively share that good news. What are ways we can do that? So maybe you're here looking and and trying to explore what Jesus and who he is in your life. You're getting some insider trading tips on how we as a church are going to take the gospel of Jesus into our community and transform Southwest Florida. Week one, we talked about how we as followers of Jesus need to get off our soapbox. Uh, You know, a lot of times when you hear church, people stand up and and they just proclaim and they talk and they talk and they talk and they talk. And it's like, dude, that's not even really where I'm at. Like, listen to me a little bit. Last week, we talked about hospitality, treating strangers and friends alike. And hospitality isn't just having someone in your home, but hospitality is how you're leading your life, how you're living out your life. Today, I want to give you a third tip on how to share Jesus in a skeptical world, and it's simply this. Stop over-explaining. Sometimes we talk too much, right? Like, nudge the person you're talking to right now. Like, you're talking too much. I'm trying to hear what God has for us today. We over-explain Jesus a lot. We try to have all the perfect words. We try to maybe give our opinion. And that leads me to Romans chapter 1, verse 16, where, where Paul puts it this way. For I am not ashamed of this good news, gospel, about Christ. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes. So what's at work is whenever we present the gospel, God's power is at work. It's not up to how well polished we say words, explain things, look, dress the part, act the part. It's by saying, hey, let me share with you what Jesus has done in my life. What about, let me share with you what Jesus can do in your life. How Jesus came down as an ordinary man, 100% God, 100% human. How he went to the cross for our sins and he took our place. God, three days later when Jesus was buried in the tomb, raised him, defeating death and sin. That is the power of the gospel, friends. And so today I want to talk to you about how do we help people encounter the gospel in a real life changing way. And that leads me to this big idea, help people encounter Jesus and stop over explaining Jesus. Help people encounter, that's what we're called to do. We're not there to always explain, even though that's a portion of what we need to do, but it shouldn't be the leading thing we do. Uh, I like to illustrate it this way. This past summer, one of my buddies and I 
uh, we went to a baseball game, and uh, we bought tickets online, and, and it had some, like, benefits of the ticket package. We weren't really sure because it was like, hey, you have access to, like, X, Y, and Z, and we're like, what's that even mean? So we agreed that whenever we show up on the game, that would show the ticket attendant of our section, say, hey, where does this lead us? Like, what are the benefits we get? So we go and we ask the ticket attendant, and uh, they're like, oh, you guys are eating, you guys are sitting in the all-you-can-eat section. Me and my buddy were like, whoo, all-you-can-eat, let's go. You know, like, man, Lord, you are with us at this game, you know? And uh, so we're enjoying the game. We're, we're having the burgers that have been grilled and sitting out since 12 o'clock at lunchtime and out 7 o'clock, the, the hot dogs, you know, all-you-can-eat sections are a little suspect at times. But what was great was the barrels of peanuts, right? Like it was a phenomenal, cool experience. The problem was getting to that experience. When we went up to the ticket attendant and he starts explaining our section, where we're sitting, what all the benefits of our tickets were, he just kept talking, kept talking, kept talking. Finally got to a point, I start doing one of these, you know, where I'm with another pastor friend, I start slowly stepping away, and, and I'm creeping back, my buddy who's a lot nicer than me is still listening, and what was happening is by the end of that conversation, I could have told you what emergency exits were in that ballpark, I could have told you the freshest food, the cheapest food, I could have told you the greatest vendors in that ballpark, I could have given you every detail of what was taking place in that ballpark. And the crowd is passing us by. And they're going into the experience of the game, and we're sitting here getting all this information that is just messing with our minds. And I think a lot of times, there's this encounter that God wants to have with people. But we sometimes, when we share that good news with people, act as an obstacle and we over-explain versus saying, hey, come and experience the goodness of God. Barna Research Christian Survey and Reviving Evangelism, they put it this way. They said that many non-spiritual people would love to encounter an eye-opening godly experience. They would like, they'd be interested. That is one of the things they're drawn to, meaning that there's supernatural work of God can do something in someone's life. That's what they're craving. That's what they're looking for. And I think a lot of times in our mind, we want to be able to justify everything, explain everything, have everything buttoned down, and then we'll feel good about it. See, we want to have our explanation to lead someone to their salvation. And friends, that's not the power of God. That's us. And what happens is when we want to explain everything perfectly and promptly and correctly, that means we add a lot of pressure on ourselves. That means like we have to be able to carry a lot of the hardest questions. Like we have to have those answers. Right now, I mean, we're all familiar with what's happening over in Israel. You know, I've been bombarded this week. People ask me, hey, Pastor Blake, where do you stand with with Israel? I'm like, what what do you mean where do I stand with Israel? Like, we are a church that prays for God's peace and all that are involved in the conflict. 
Like, you know, I see a lot of churches taking this, this stance of like, yes, I must stand with Israel. And I'm like, okay, let's, let's just pause. I, I agree in aspects of that, but let's understand the, the evil of Hamas, that terrorist attack, we all agree that's evil. I, I think we all are in alignment. That's, that's wrong. Like innocent people being murdered is wrong. But on the flip side of it, let's, let's also be honest is Israel doesn't believe in Jesus right now as a nation. So they're missing, they're, they're, they're missing that gap. They're saying, hey, and so we see all this like back and forth and contention and, and really as Christians, our position and posture would be like, I am praying for the widows and orphans of Palestine. I am praying for the widows, the hurts, the pain of Israel. And right now, God, my prayer right now is that Jesus, whatever you have in store for the nation of Israel, that you do that sooner than later because the world is looking pretty crazy. And I think so many of us get wrapped up in this politics and we're like, hey, we gotta have this. this. And so what happens is we have to have all this explanation in the, in the world. And truth is, you and I don't have all those answers. Anybody who thinks they have all those answers, I say you run for the hills from those people with those answers. So it's not about explanation. Then we can't put uncanny pressure on ourselves. Like, look, if I'm telling you about Jesus, that's because I know what Jesus has done in my life, and Jesus can do something great in your life. All I'm going to do with you is I'm going to present the radical, real message of Jesus and let God do the rest. So we have to make sure that we're very clear on, hey, it's not about our explanation, but it's about ushering people into a very real encounter so that they can ultimately have a meeting with Jesus himself. So we've got to ask ourselves, how do we help people encounter Jesus? First, we need to begin here. We need to be confident of your encounter, of our personal encounter. Look, the person on your right or left, they're not going to be convinced of Jesus if you yourself aren't convinced of the saving, radical grace of Jesus in your life. You know, like one of the worst things we can do is say, hey, I love Jesus, but then we don't really live like we love Jesus. We go back and we look at the calling of the first disciples, this man by the name of Peter in Luke chapter 5. Uh, Jesus, uh, these guys, they go fishing all night, and, and they're, they're fishing, and, and they're not catching anything. The next day, Jesus is, is showing up. He's teaching. They're on, he's on their boat, and they push away, uh, and Jesus is still communicating and whatnot. And then Jesus, at the end of the day, is like, hey, we're going to go fish at night. And so they go fish at night, and, and Peter is like, dude, we can't fish at night. Like, like, master, we went out all day the day before. Like, we didn't catch anything. And then we see this encounter Peter has, this moment in Peter's life that's the bedrock foundational way that he uh, experienced Jesus, that convinced him, that changed drastically his life. And I believe all of our encounters should consist of what Peter consists of. So in Luke chapter 5, verse 8, this is the response of what happens because they go out and they catch a lot of fish when they were tired, when they caught none the night before. When Simon Peter realized what happened, he fell on his knees before Jesus and said, oh Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught and as, the others, as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, 
were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. This radical encounter Peter had was the bedrock for his faith with Jesus in the days to come. It was the the bedrock for Jesus to proclaim and preach to thousands and see revival take place in the first century church. And here's the thing, whenever it comes to an encounter, I believe that our encounter should consist of four things that we see here. In my life, personally, there's been big monumental encounters, but then when I enter into a church service, when I have my one-on-one time with God, there's also these encounters that I believe we should pursue. The first part of the encounter that we see that Peter has is this, he praises. When we encounter God, we need to praise. Let me touch on a hot button subject real quick. When it comes to praising, um, I, I, I believe this, that we need to be expressive in our praise time. I think sometimes, you know, we're like, yeah, praise Jesus. It's like, hey, I love Jesus, woo, amen. So like when Pastor Steph and company and the band, I mean, they're rocking out, they're vibing, the beat is flowing. And and some of us are like, dude, I can't even clap. Like, I don't wanna clap. I don't wanna engage. See, part of our praise, you know what Peter does? He falls to his knees. It says, Jesus, leader. There's this expression. Now, I'm not saying we have to go get the banners and we have to be running around or, or jump in or any of that crazy stuff. But I'm saying is like, men, like you need to call on God. When you look at the walls of Jericho, how they fell, what'd they do? They, they, they made some noise, right? Like, those are the moments I, I, I think we need to praise. Peter praises. And then secondly, we need to confess. Every encounter, if it's on a Sunday morning, if it's in one-on-one time, I say, hey, God, look at my heart. God, address the issues of my heart. God, I had some ill thoughts. God, I, I didn't speak to my wife in a certain way. And you get one-on-one with Jesus, and you're just like, hey, I, hear me. And we confess the mistakes we've made so that God can work through us in our encounter. And then we accept what God has for us. An encounter like, hey God, what do you accept? Like, like I'm accepting what you're leading me to. When we say Jesus, he, he says, hey, you're gonna now go and fish for men. Peter's like, that's my call. I'm gonna go fish for men. All right, that's what I'm supposed to do. Like right now, God's calling you to do something. Are you being in tune with what God's calling you to do? Like maybe it's, I need to go ask for forgiveness from that person over there. Maybe it's, I need to take this chance. Maybe I need to stay faithful and committed to where I'm at in the season I'm at rather than giving up. We need to accept what God has for us. See, their encounter begins with our encounter. And then we also see, lastly, we're able and willing to go. When Peter has this, he's a successful businessman. He has a company. He has home, he has status, he has his privilege, he's a fisherman, but he's a successful one. He gets to the land and he says, all right, let's go. Leaves everything and follows Jesus. So anytime you're encountering Jesus in your one-on-one time, in your church time, with your friends, with your spouse, whoever it might be, I want to encourage you, man, 
be willing. Start with praising. Start with evaluation and confessing. Start with accepting where Jesus is leading you. And then ultimately, be willing to go where he's called you to go. Because look, if we're not convinced of what Jesus can do in our life, those we care about, why should they be convinced of what Jesus can do in their life? We also see this. If we want to help others encounter Jesus, we need to use language people understand. Use language people understand. Um, In the Bible, we see numerous times where Jesus was relatable. What was said about Jesus was relatable. Jesus is the Word in 1 John, and the Word became flesh, fulfilling Old Testament prophecy. So there's this lot of this, this uh, questioning around Jesus. And John puts it, it's like, hey, the Word is now flesh. Like, everything is going through Jesus. And then Jesus is a shepherd in, in an agricultural and farming community. They say, Jesus, you're a shepherd. That means you oversee the flock in John chapter 10. Jesus is the light to a man who is born blind. We see this relatable language that Jesus, that was around Jesus, that people used to describe Jesus. We've grown up in this kind of culture. If you've been in the church and maybe, maybe in society, did you know Fort Myers, Florida, this region, this area, is in the top 15 post-Christian communities? Meaning this, that there used to be this idea of Christendom around, like people always kind of had a a biblical reference point. Now they're coming in and people are like, I don't really know the Bible, don't really care about the Bible. It's known as a post-Christian community. So here's the thing, we can get mad uh, that, oh man, my, my community is not like Christianized like it needs to be and ought to be. And I agree, like, hey, the more Christians we got working in Southwest Florida, the more life transformation there is. But we also have to be honest with ourselves about this is that there's people who are far from God, post Christian, don't care, don't know. How do I communicate the good news with them? I got to speak in a way they understand. I got to speak in a way that they, 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 can, they can pick up the good news of the gospel, not, oh man, that's a lot of language that I don't know. Like, I don't know if you've ever been in one of those, those moments when you're talking to someone who's radical faith, I mean, and they're talking like, yeah, the sanctification process and the eschatology, and, and they're using all these words, and you're like scratching your head, and like, I've been going to church my whole life, and the theology of it, I don't really quite understand all of it. And can you imagine how that would be for someone who is far from God? Can you imagine? We, we've grown up in a society where it's like, hey, Christendom, this idea that everybody understands our language isn't accurate right now, isn't accurate. And we need to make sure that we help people encounter Jesus by using language they understand. Let me put it this way. Um, we've had some family members go back and forth in the hospital and uh, my mother being one of them and, and we'd be in the hospital room and the doctors would come in and the nurses would come in and, and they would be talking to each other. And I'm trying to track what they're saying to one another. And it's like a different language. I mean, they're using abbreviations, they're using different kind of language. I'm like, dude, I'm pretty sure that's an English word, you know? And I'm like, still not following. And so then I, like, we sit in there, we raise our hands, we're like, uh, so uh, what do you mean by that? Like, could you, could you elaborate on what's the status taking place here? And then the doctors kind of take a step back and they're like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Let us now explain this to you. 
and then they go in like ordinary language. They talk to us about the issues taking place. You see how that can connect with us a little bit in the, the Christian realm where like, hey, we can talk like a bunch of Christians who gather around the campfire, but then we have someone who's far from God, doesn't know God, wants to know God, is searching for something, and yet we just keep our language a certain way when it comes to our Christian circle. You see how that can be very hard for people to understand the good news of the gospel? Very challenging. So throughout Scripture, Jesus was used as, Jesus used symbols and, and he just used other language people could understand. And we have to be willing to drop the Christian jargon. Drop the Christian jargon. Um, again, this is for people who do not know Jesus. I'm not saying you can't hang out with your best church friends and, and talk like a, like a great Christian and use all the Christianized words. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is people who don't know Jesus you got to make sure that you're using language if you're trying to share the good news with them. So here's some of the ways that I share the good news, the hope of Jesus, when I'm trying to explain the gospel. I, I kind of break it down. There is a God who loves us, who made us, but we haven't been worshiping and honoring him like we ought to be. I say that to my friends, and they're always like, oh, and it leads to more questions. I say this, Jesus died for us, now lives for us. Now I live for him, and he lives for me. I break down the salvation, the gospel of peel, manger, then I say cross, and then I say king. Like Jesus came down. The gospel, my friends, is Jesus came down 100% uh, uh, God, 100% human, born, raised in this manger, carpentry life, goes to the cross, substitutionary work on our behalf, dies on the cross for our sins. And then... God raises him three days later from the tomb, defeating death, defeating sin. You know, but I, I try to break it down. Hey, there's this guy born in a manger. He went to the cross for us, and then he's also the king, the, the Lord of lords in my life. Australian evangelist John Chapman, uh, he, he tells of this story, and I, and I found it interesting because anytime you communicate uh, in a group of people, there's always some of this that takes place. He was speaking to a, a group of a couple thousand people, and many of them didn't know who Jesus was. So he's sharing, and, and there's this term whenever you're helping people know who Jesus, there's this term that's also often found throughout Scripture. It's this, I, it's this understanding of repentance, meaning that you're going one way and you need to turn back to God. Like you're living a sinful life, you need to come back to God. So he's speaking to a lot of people who don't know Jesus, are curious about Jesus. Maybe you're in that realm right now and you're here at church. And so he, he doesn't use the term repentance. He says, you need to make a U-turn and come back to God. So he's sharing that with these people and he kept saying, you need to make a U-turn. You need to make a U-turn. You need to turn back. And a radical God moment. At the soon he gets done, the altars up from the stage, they, they start filling. People are giving their life to the Lord. Radical outpouring of God's spirit takes place. He gets off the stage, walks, and he says, within a few minutes, a lady approaches him and says, you didn't preach the full gospel, sir. He's like scratching his head. He's like, lady, I was on point. Look at the altars. You know, like he's like going back and forth. And she's like, you didn't use the term repentance. And he's like, Repent, I, like I didn't say it's like, but I used a synonym for repentance. See, a lot of us in our language, in our lingo, we have what we call shibboleths. Now, it's big words, kind of weird, but really it means keywords that signal orthodoxy and loyalty. 
meaning this, we equate someone, the gospel with certain words that we say versus what is actually taking place in someone's life. So I think we need to always remember that when we're trying to communicate the good news, am I hung up on saying the right words or am I hung up on helping people encounter Jesus in a divine way? in a real life-changing way. In Luke chapter five, verse 12, this leper comes to Jesus, and I wanna read it to you because I love how Jesus responds. He says this, when he was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy, a flesh-eating disease, and when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face, again, praising this encounter. He fell on his face, and he begged him, Lord, if you can make me clean. And this is how Jesus responds. And Jesus stretched out his hand, touched him, saying, I will be clean. Radical moment. Jesus didn't come and say, hey, look, I'm the, I'm the one sent from God. You need to believe him. He said, hey, by this work, by this move, your life is going to be drastically changed. He kept it simple. Like when you're sharing the good news of, gospel, of, of Jesus, keep it simple with people. Let God do the work. And that leads me into this. Our, our, our final touch point is this. Allow God to speak for himself. Allow God to speak for himself. Um, believe it or not, you and I were commissioned to go and share Jesus, proclaim Jesus, uh, tell the world about Jesus. Disciples make disciples, Matthew chapter 28. But here's the thing. God doesn't need our uh, supernatural abilities, if we had any, to do what he needs to accomplish. He's just asking us to be obedient. Uh, he's asking us to do what he's, uh, what he's called us to do. I think a lot of times we feel like we need to speak for God. Like if I say it a certain way, if I act a certain way, if I demonstrate it correctly, if, if I have everything lined up, if the T's are crossed and the I's are dotted, then that person over there will experience Jesus in a radical way. And that's not the case, my friends. Remember what Paul says back in Romans chapter 1? What's the power at work when we present and just share the good news, manger king crops, or manger cross king? And so this one time, I remember growing up, I grew up in a Christian home, and any time a friend would spend the night, or we'd have over from like, oh, the ball team or something like that, and we, they would spend the night on Saturday nights, my parents had a rule. We had to get up Sunday morning, and we all had to go to church. Uh, so, you know, sometimes that's a little overbearing or sometimes it's a little weird when you have friends who don't know Jesus and they're like, I got to go to church, never been to church before. And I'm like, yeah, dude, it's going to be a great time. And, and you try to like, oh man, and you're praying the whole way on the car ride. Lord, don't let this be an awkward experience. Like, let them meet the right people. Like, Jesus, just be cool today. You know, like, like I'm going to a young guy, right? Um, so I went to a Pentecostal church. I mean, when I mean Pentecostal, like people would prophesy, like people would speak in tongues and people would interpret it. But I, I believe that the Holy Spirit is still alive and active to this day. Um, and uh, this is what happened. So, of course, as a young guy, I'm, I'm, I'm praying. I'm like, Lord, not today. Not today. Like tamper yourself down. Let this just be a hosting service. Um, Sure enough, you know, like three songs in, lady stands up, and I mean, she starts speaking in tongues. And I'm like, oh boy. And I see my buddy, he's like, what is happening? What is happening? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. She's crazy, bro. She's crazy. 
and another person gets up and then tongues interpretation. I'm like, dude, I don't know, you know, and I'm like, try And so like, and, and then, you know, we go on later that day. I'm like, Lord, let us not, let us not run into the weird pastor. Like, like most of the pastors are cool, but there's a couple weird ones in every church staff. And if you're wondering who the weird one is on our church staff, I'm not going to tell you. I'll let you come up to that conclusion yourself. Uh, but then we run into them, and it's like awkward. I'm like, dude, like I'm telling you. And then you're like, okay, I'm going to bring a friend to church, and and I don't want him to run into that Christian fanatic who's like, just like jumping and they're jumping and they're jumping. They're like, yeah, hallelujah. And you're like, man, they got a lot of energy. Like, and then they can't like get up later that day, you know. And it's like you. And I found myself like moments of trying to justify it, like, and trying to be like, hey, Jesus is, no, Jesus isn't that weird. Like, Jesus is cool. Like, and almost coming, like, coming up with making excuses. And then until I get older that, hey, my responsibility isn't to tamper what God has in store. My responsibility is to say, hey, man, come with me. Let's experience Jesus together. Let's, let's talk about it. Let me help you have a real encounter by just being present with you. And so when it comes to allowing God to speak for himself, I think we need to make sure we lead people to Jesus stories that connect. Lead people to Jesus stories that connect. You know, uh, many of us, we have different emotional temperaments going through hard things in life. Some of us have different stages of life that we're in. Some of us have some big questions in life. Rather than having all the answers, rather than being able to explain everything that is global, that is, that is national, that's beyond our abilities, lead people to a story about Jesus. That's why we say, like, know God's word so you can point people, hey, like, hey, let's just read about it. Like, struggle with anxiety, struggle with depression, let's, let's talk about it. Let's, like, let's talk about Elijah's experience back after he had this great monumental win in, in Mount Carmel. Look how God whispered to him. Look how God moved in his life. If you have friends who are burdened by guilt and needs and need forgiveness, tell them about Jesus and, and the tax collector in, in Luke chapter 18. If you have friends who feel empty and are self-absorbed, tell them that they can die to their own ambitions and because Jesus has died for us. And we see this in Luke chapter 9. And if you have friends who feel overwhelmed, exhausted in life, tell them how Jesus has come to bring rest in Matthew chapter 11. There's hundreds upon hundreds of stories that we can point people to and just allow God speak for himself. Like, hey, it's not about my words. Let me just share about what Jesus can do in your life, the way Jesus has done some things in my life. You know, rather than trying to have it all figured out, simply say, hey, let's, let's talk about Jesus. Let's look at some of these stories. Another way we allow God to speak for himself is invite people into community. Invite people into a community, a faith community. That's important. Uh, you know, back when I was young, I kind of mentioned earlier, like, hey, there's some moments where I'd pray church went a certain way. I, I have switched that completely. I'm saying, hey, God, you do what you do on Sunday. I will help my friends, people I care for, understand. I will be every step of the way with them. I will encourage them. I will invite them back, but invite people into community. Um, a lot of times, uh, you know, we, we think, hey, the church needs to be like the, the greatest evangelistic tool. And I agree, the church should be very evangelistic. 
guess what? You're the church. So rather than saying, I'm going to bring someone in the church so that they can meet Jesus, I'm saying help people meet Jesus in the community in which you live in, where you're at in life, what you're discussing in life. So a way we do and live out community is, one, yes, we do invite people to church. Hey, come to church. Worship is great. People are, lives are being changed. Like, people are coming to meet Jesus. Like, come and sing with us. Come and uh, uh, be prompted by God's reading of the Scripture, by our reading of the Scripture, how God can speak to us and move through us. So church is a way. Coming up November 5th, um, we, we try to build community here at Faith. We're having pancakes and praise. That is happening on Sunday morning. That is happening between 10 and 11. We'll be serving pancakes right through my, to my left, your right, where, hey, you come in, you can invite a friend. Hey, we're going to break some, have some pancakes together. Uh, maybe some of will have chocolate chip. I don't know. Maybe some whipped cream. I don't know. Uh, we want to be dietary cautious. So we only want you to have a little bit of carbs, not much of carbs. But no, like we just want to have fellowship. Best way to meet people, to live in community, eat, Right? Like, no one likes to just sit there at the table and it's awkward and stare at each other. Like, that gets a little weird. But man, you put a good steak in front of me or, you know, hopefully not here, but any vegans in the house, there's the door, you know, like, great salad, woo! Uh, kind of weird, you know? <laughs> Sorry. Not in the notes, forgive me, I'll be out there. Uh, Pastor Steve, our counselor, is on staff. Um, but the point is, live in community with people. People need community. I don't care if you're older. I don't care if you're younger. I don't care if you're middle-aged. Like, we have, you know, like, even men, like, we struggle to be like, hey, form a relationship. Like, guys, like, hey, it's kind of weird. No, you want a friend. You want a buddy. The guy asks you to go golf. Guy asks you to go fish. Guy asks you to, like, hey, watch Jeopardy at night. You're like, hey, let's do it. You know, like, let's have fun. You know, like, people need community. It's a way we allow God to speak for himself. So, church service. We also have faith groups. We're discovering a lot in our church that a lot of the ways people are meeting Jesus, coming to church, being a part of the faith family begins in groups. Like join a group. You want to meet some people, join a group. Like have fun. We have the next kind of term coming up at the uh, turn of the year. And we also say this, you can meet people in community by acts of service. Uh, coming up November 18th, uh, we're partnering with one of our established uh, nonprofit organizations, globally known Convoy of Hope. They're actually doing an outreach down here, downtown Fort Myers. You can sign up at faithnfm.com. You can look at, um, uh, we'll be putting more announcements up together. And uh, a great way to meet people, to help people live in community, a non believer specifically, someone who's far from God. Hey, my church is partnering with a, a nonprofit, helping find one of the giants of the world that is malnutrition and people who are starving, people who are hungry, people who need just basic care needs. Like there's ways that you can serve as like a barber. There's ways you can serve as like a, a prayer team. Like there's a bunch of different ways that you can serve. And you know a great way to invite people into a faith community? Ask someone to join you on that day from work. Ask a neighbor. Most people are like, hey, let's make our community better. I love how Paul puts it uh, in Romans chapter 12, verse 16. He says this, and he says, live in harmony with each other. Now he's talking about a church. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. Nudge the person to your left and say, hey, I enjoy you, even in your ordinary self. 
I enjoy you. And it's important that we understand that we, we capture that. That there's all the people around us that like, love the ones we're with. Be present where our feet are. Allow God to speak for himself through community. I want to close in Romans chapter 1, verse 16. I want to come back to this verse. and It's a verse we kicked off today with. And it says, For I am not ashamed of the good news. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes. My hope right now, if you're in this place, that the good news of Jesus is penetrating your life, that you believe that he was this man that went to the cross for us, born an ordinary life, but 100% God, 100% human mind, boggling, mind blowing. Then he goes to the cross for each and every one of us and all who believe. Scripture says, will be saved. And then God raises him, defeating death, sin. And we, 2,000 years later, get lives and have eternities rewritten. So maybe you're in here right now and you're questioning things and trying to figure out life. My hope that is you make Jesus your Lord and leader of your life. And at the end of service, we'll have our prayer team down here. They'll pray with you no matter what you go through. But specifically, we'll pray with you if you want to start to make Jesus the Lord and leader of your life today. And then the second group of people I want to pray over today is those who need the power, the Holy Spirit-infused power to take the good news and share it in a skeptical world. Some people aren't going to want to hear it. It doesn't mean we stop delivering it. And I think right now, more than ever, with the turmoil we see around the world, with what we're seeing happening in our schools, with what we're seeing happen locally in our communities, our world needs good news. Friends, the greatest news, Jesus Christ. So let's be a church that shares the good news in a skeptical world. Bow your heads with me. God, we give you this time right now. We worship you. We praise you. Lord, we pray right now that you lead those who are far from you into a life-giving, a real relationship with you. Right now, Lord, touch their lives. Give them a boldness. Give them strength to experience you in a very real life-transforming way. We're praying that right now. Lord, we pray that you be with this church, that you help us to be people who are on mission with a mission to proclaim and share the good news of what your son has done for us so that we can have in a relationship with you, our heavenly father. Lord, lead us every step of the way, every moment of the way. Lord, be with our broken relationships. Lord, we're praying right now that you be with those who are in pain right now. Lord, we pray for the conflict on the other side of the globe. Lord, we're praying for everybody who's hurt. Lord, we're praying your peace wins. Lord, touch those lives who are in desperate need. Lord, in every dire situation, may your goodness be shown. God, we give you today and the days to come. And may this church be a part of transforming Southwest Florida. In your great and holy name, we all say. Hey, thanks for listening today. If you have any questions or would like to speak to someone concerning this message, we invite you to fill out our online communication card at faithnfm.com. And if you're able, we'd love to have you with us in person on Sundays at 9 a.m. or 1045 a.m. or on the best night of the week for Wednesday prayer at 7 p.m. 
We're at 7101 Bayshore Road in North Fort Myers, just two miles west of I-75 at exit 143. Thanks again for listening.